0: head to my website simonmundy.com or amazon waterstone smiths places like that to get your copy.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: This is Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy, and each week I sit down with an expert from the biggest sporting names in the world to Buddhist monks, neuroscientists, psychologists, and philosophers. We discuss a theme that tells us something insightful and important about life, and how best to live it from the importance of self-acceptance to facing addiction and developing resilience right through to getting your circadian rhythms in sync and how to sleep better sport is a metaphor for life and in this podcast i aim to prove that right i always like hearing from you so the best way to get in touch is via my website simonmundy.com, or i'm at Simon Mundy on social media In this episode, I'm talking to the legendary jockey, Frankie Dettori about positivity.
3: Frankie Dettori, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I am uh, uh, licking my wounds from a, a very exciting and uh, successful Royal Ascot and... Uh, I had a few drinks on Saturday night and I'm recovering slowly. <laughs> Self-inflicted pain.
0: Self-inflicted pain. Hey, hangovers don't get any easier as you get older, Frankie.
3: Yeah, correct. But it was worth it. Uh, we, uh, we had a few people around on Saturday, my kids, my wife and some friends. And just uh, looking back at what a great week I've had at Royal Ascot. So uh, I'm trying to enjoy it. You know i'm not gonna ride forever i'm 49 so uh you know uh is uh, try to enjoy this last few years that i got left and uh yeah amazing amazing
0: i mean it was an incredible week you stole the show at ascot yet again uh matched the record of pat edery so 73 winners in total and on that last day you got a a 151 treble on a day like that when you race that well do you have a feeling that it's gonna be your day
3: well i uh, you know I, I went into royal ascot on the tuesday thinking well i've got some decent rides uh, and uh, but you know everyone uh, going in, goes into it thinking the same uh, you still have to ride them you still have to win and I go into the last day. I thought, well, you know, it's, it's a big day. It's three group ones, uh, and I got three chances in all three of them. And uh, and then you know, I I needed to ride free to win the ch- to to win the top jockey. So when the first one went in, I thought, well, now it's possible. I need two more. And then uh, as it happens, it it, it was it, it, yeah yeah it, it did. Um, I I missed the crowd. I think if the crowd was there they probably would have knocked it down i will be honest with you because you know you know what people are like on a Saturday they're very vocal and uh, and, and I'm the man to follow Ascot and I would say if if the crowd was there what well, usually on the Saturday of Royal Ascot is probably the biggest one almost 80,000 it would have been magnificent but nevertheless I still enjoyed it and uh it was it was a a very great day for me
0: actually you're a gregarious person like you're obviously you know you're the best known jockey you have a way of connecting with the crowd as well as with the horse and I want to talk to you about that but to what degree did you miss then the energy of the crowd because I would have get the impression someone like you would really feed off that yet you proved you don't need it to be a success
3: I do need it. <laughs> I do need it. I missed it. I missed it. I mean, look, once the stores open, it's bread in, in us to try to win. You know, I've been doing it for over 30 years. You know, once the stores open, you want to try to beat the others and try to win. And then, you know, okay, the crowd wasn't there, but, you know, I do, you know, I, I know, I know myself so well now that I feed off the crowd. I I interact with them, and they lift me they 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 give me that extra you know uh and you know if even so then I did do well for for various reasons i say if I would have had the crowd behind me, perhaps I would have won the last one as well. It could have been four, but uh it is what it is, and uh it's a difficult time for everyone, but at least I'm doing what I love, you know, riding, uh, riding races. And, and I say the quality of racing the, the Ascot was amazing.
0: As someone who is gregarious, is a people person, has lockdown been hard for you?
3: Oh, terrible. I mean, I got, uh, well, we have, we have my, myself and my wife, we have built uh, a dream home last year. And one last thing that I persuaded to do was do an outside swimming pool. Well, it came really handy this year because we had an amazing summer, so it got plenty of use in the lockdown, but I don't think i ever been in the house more than three days in a row. Um, I got, I get uh, cabin fever, you know, I need to get on an aeroplane, I need to travel a lot. It's been part of my life for over 20 years, and, and uh, I, I I really found it difficult to be, I you know, even so, that I got a beautiful big house, I found it really difficult to be at home for so long. Um, uh, luckily, then the horses still have to be trained and still have to go out. So four times a week I was in the stable, so that kept my mind off it. But um, we got to a point that, uh, you know, we, I got five kids, and we all snapping at each other for stupid reasons. Uh, you know, who didn't not empty the dishwasher, or who nicked the last ice cream from the freezer. I mean, we were just arguing about silly things. Uh, I think everybody, I, I think they, even my family, did not used to see me home for so long. So it was a it was a, a double edged sword. Basically, we all got in each other's nerves a little bit, but. Uh, it's funny now that I started racing, it's all pretty much to me, it's back to normal, you know. So it's been uh, a trial times. Uh, and I think uh, my family was just as up as I was to, when racing started. <laughs> Did you learn
0: anything about yourself or about being more still and not rushing around? Or was it just a trial?
3: Uh, what made me realize was uh, I'm definitely not ready for retirement. That's for sure. You know, I always get asked when I'm going to retire, and I'll be honest, no way in the near future. I'm not ready for my slippers and pipe mode yet. I still want to go out there and jump off the horses like a frog. So, so, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing I learned. I'm not I'm not ready to to settle down yet
0: that brings me on to the to a key question really frankie so i mean you you know you're 49 years young i'm gonna say that old cliche yeah have you still got your youthful looks despite you know having overdone it on saturday you still got that full head of luscious italian hair (laughs) still absolutely doing the business in the saddle 2019 a vintage year for you you know there are lots of greats currently in various sports who do really well late in their career. But there are a few who are doing as well as you, you know, did last year, did last week. What's your secret to this power and skill and success you're having in, longe- in your longevity? And to what degree is it related to your outlook on life?
3: Well, I don't feel 49. Jamie Spencer accuses me of dyeing my hair. Well, I haven't done yet. I'm, I'm, I never, never will, probably. Uh, I'm very lucky in that way. I believe the, the the biggest skill in this world is stress or worrying. I always been a happy, go lucky person. Obviously, my plane crashed twenty years ago. They made a huge difference on my outlook in life. Uh, I have a. I'm so lucky that. I uh, I do something that I love. I love the horse itself. I love. Uh, the, the competition. I love being outside, uh, you know, it took me 30 years to make a name of myself. I love the people shouting my name. I'm addicted to it and uh, I need to perform. I need a crowd, you know, like I guess an actor when he goes on stage at the theater, you know, I need that buzz. And I think that's, I guess that's what's kept me young. Uh, and and that's perhaps why I haven't lost my chair and it's still still brown at the moment with a couple of grey coming through. So I think that's, uh, you know, most of it, you know, that uh, I I have a good, positive outlook in life and I'm very lucky to do what I love, you know? Yeah, and we'll come back... If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely makes big sense. So we'll come back to a couple of things you mentioned there and and clearly doing something you love And being grateful are key things and they've shown that they are key elements in in people who do live a long and happy life and then we'll we'll come back as well to that episode that happened to you 20 years ago that changed changed your outlook but let's go back even further and what you've been here in england for what nearly 35 years now
3: is that right correct i came here in uh, 85 july 85 it It'd be 35 years in july
0: Thirty-five years. When you came over, you didn't speak particularly good English or any of that. Was it hard when you came over? Did you have to toughen up and become resilient
3: quickly? It was hard because obviously language barrier, and uh, you know, I was I was a foreigner. You know, I was uh, you know I was a, a bullied a little bit from the stables, and, but you know, I was on my own, so I had to toughen up, and and then. Uh, Three months in, when I started to gasp at a few words and I started to make friends. Then, uh, yeah, then I loved it, basically. I loved, well, I, I turned to 15. I was, uh, I loved the freedom. Of, you know, I didn't have my parents shouting at me. I basically I lived in a bed and breakfast. I was my own person and then uh I, I made friends then uh you know you, you you start becoming an adult so i was chasing the girls and uh, and then my riding was getting better so you all just came together you know all, and uh, you know my parents were really strict, so not even them shouted at me all the time it was quite good my character came out you know i was always i was always uh, suppressed by my father all the time you know it was always strict and 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 me down so when I was in England then my real character came out and and I started expressing myself and
0: uh, and here we are and here we are (laughs) indeed so you've been you've been here in England you know for most of your most of your life but obviously you know you're still as Italian as they come and I spoke to uh, a guest called John Kerwin a rugby great recently and he spent some time in Italy he's from New Zealand and he spoke about how he he was he just fell in love with the Italian way of life, so the the four hour dinners every night, the love of life that the attitude that if you can break bread with your family, whatever else is going on, then everything is all right. you know what would you say are the key differences between the Italian outlook and the British outlook, and what can Brits learn from the the way Italians live
3: uh, I think uh, the Italian people are uh... Closer to their family, they don't travel as much. The pace of life is not as fast as England. We are very blessed and the climate is great. And we, the seasonal food that we get for the four seasons, a lot of life revolves around being together, and lunches and dinners and holidays. I think in England we are, the pace is much faster, we travel a lot. Is so more congested and uh, and we, 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 we do a lot of things on the go. You know, we, we travel a lot.
0: You talked about stress and, and, you know, how stress can be a bad thing. Is that slower, more relationship focused way of life around family time, around friends, around food? Is that something do you think Britain could learn from? And do you think that as well, the lockdown has may bring that forward a little bit?
3: I really don't know how to explain it. Really, I think uh, the the way that we we do behave in England is it just didn't happen just one generation. It's I guess it's been in in this system for many hundreds of years. So you can't change. Even the Italian culture is, you know, is thousands of years old. You know, so you 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 can't all of a sudden change like this. Uh, but that's, you know, even I changed, you know, I mean, I I am Italian, I love the Italian system, but I feel like when I do go home now to Italy, after a couple of weeks, I get bored because the, I'm used to the faster pace, I used to, you know, so I'm trying to combine the two, but I guess if I go back to Italy full-time, I probably go back to my old ways, but at the moment, because I live this English lifestyle, I, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm I'm become more English than Italian, so it's, you. It's very hard to really uh, explain or to to make people change, you know. So uh,
0: yeah, sure.
3: Every so is you know uh, the Italian, you know. i I guess I'm trying to combine the two. So yeah, try try to get the, the the best of both worlds.
0: Exactly. Now, when you did come over here, and Luca Comani took you under his wing. And he said you had been living with your uh, grandmother before you came. And he said that you lacked discipline. How true is that? And how did you learn to be so disciplined thereafter, or be become disciplined?
3: Well, listen, I was 15. I was wild. <laughs> I mean, nobody could tell me what to do. I was like breaking every rules there was to be broken. But you know, I was I was just a kid, basically. I mean, discipline comes with uh, with. Uh, uh, as you say, when you, when you have responsibilities. And when I, I, I think it started, when I started riding, I realised that, you know, I am riding in important races. I have to ride, I ride for important owners. And that's, that's when you really realise, you know, you have to grow up. Uh, so I think it comes with the responsibility discipline, you know, once you realise that, you know, is important, you know. But that
0: in. Imp- that imp- your impulsive side or, or that instinctual side, obviously you didn't want to completely get rid of that because that's something you seem to draw on in your racing and to be successful. So is it, again, like you were saying with the Italian-English, a bit of a combination of the two?
3: Yeah, obviously, look, uh, I came to England where we were... Uh, I'm talking about my sport. It was, uh, you know, it was really for lords, shakes. Queen, the rich people, it was, it was not really accessible to the public, and you know, it was very stiff and very serious. Leicester Stoneface, Pat Edry, they were all, you know, really dark people. And he uh, and only started in 1990 when Sky came along and, 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 and pushed football, rugby and cricket and all the other sports to, to another level. And then, because of my uh, Mediterranean personality, I was kind of encouraged by racing to 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 be myself and to be outgoing and to smile and to interact with people and and that's that's how I think i I've, I've changed and uh, so I guess people can relate to me because I can bring you closer to my sport
0: uh, and let's talk about then that moment where you absolutely lifted racing to another level whilst almost bankrupting the accompanying bookie industry as well. So you rode an impossible seven winners on one day at Ascot in 1996. Uh, The last was uh, Fujiyama Crest, 16 to 1, virtually a no-hoper. And you've spoken about saying that it didn't, that last one, it didn't feel like you were racing. It was more like you were an observer. And this is something I've heard with a few people when they've reached this level of performance that is just extraordinary. So can you just describe what
3: that was like and, and how that felt to you? It was mad, to be honest with you. I mean, I, when I got the six, I equaled the record. And, and that, for me, that was good enough, you know, 300 years record. Only my, myself, Alex Russell, Willie Carson, and Sir Gordon Richard. Done it. I thought, great. And uh, this horse, Pajama Crest, didn't, it, it didn't win a race for a year. It was out of form. It was 16 to 1, like you said. Couldn't see a win. <laughs> and I remember I was walking into the parade ring before the race, and I glanced at the, the electronic betting screen and it was two to one favour and I was saying to myself how oh, crazy is this, this horse so can't win but you know what, I went out there and I was so relaxed I didn't put pressure on myself because I didn't, I couldn't I couldn't see the horse win and probably and that's why I probably won because I, I didn't get myself in a, in a panic and I just rode it like I always do and and I guess the natural talent and the adrenaline, a war, whatever other things you want to stick in there, <laughs> made the horse win. <laughs> uh, the crowd, uh, just bizarre, really bizarre. Like even up to now, when I think back, I mean, how do we want, I really don't know. And uh, it was mad, completely uh, surreal.
0: Did it feel, you know, almost? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost otherworldly, almost mystical, like you were connecting with a bigger force
3: was there that sense of that I felt numb actually I felt I didn't feel like I was felt like I was there you know but I wasn't there you know it's very hard to explain I was uh, I mean the whole you know that three hours of my life was an absolute madness Mother's Day is around the corner
2: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You
3: know, from 2 o'clock to 5.30, what happened to me that day? Emotionally, I just, I cannot even put into words what happened to me that day, but it was just, it's just, you know, like I said, like like an outer force from somewhere else just carried me through that day. I really don't know. It just, it's just surreal, you know, and even now it gives me goosebumps. It's been 25 years. I'm really looking back to it. What happened that day? Pfft, really.
0: Yeah. I've heard a few people talk like this. i heard Johnny Wilkinson talk when he kicked the winning drop goal in 2003. He had this sense of himself not being there. Damon Hill once appealed to the the ghost of Ayrton Senna and he said he felt that his self wasn't there. And now you're saying a similar thing. So the effortlessness of great performances, there is something where there's a theme where people talk about themselves not being there. And it sounds like you're describing a similar thing.
3: Yeah, it's just, you know, it's really much, really, uh, it takes over, it takes over you. Uh, I don't know how you call it. I don't know if it's uh, adrenaline or just the purple patch. I don't know what it is, but, you know, to, to a point that you you don't feel any fatigue. Uh, you just try, you know, because don't forget the horse is, it's very sensitive you know we always say those got a sixth sense you know we use horses for blind people for people that are deaf or people with special needs so they feel things that perhaps us human beings can't and i guess the last one or probably all those seven also wrote that there, they felt and I had something in me that lifted them and and made them perform better yeah, you can't really. There is no word for it. I think. We, I think perhaps we should invent a word for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and you talk about the importance of that connection with the horse that you just mentioned—that they sort of pick up um, on on how you're feeling. Um, and you know, I re- when I've heard you talk about this, I think about, and, and it's quite sad. But Christopher Reeve, obviously, when he had his accident, he said that yeah. for a moment he lost. Uh, he was th- in the future. He was thinking about a jump, two or three jumps away, and the horse sensed it, and the, and the horse stopped. So clearly, the connection between the horse and yourself is absolutely crucial. As someone who, as well, connects with people so well, what's the difference between, or the similarity even between, connecting with people and then connecting with the horse, like you did to win that incredible seventh?
3: Well, we we've got we've got a language barrier. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's a start. Uh, they, they, you know, they, like I said, they go. They're very, very sensitive. They pick up in a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I forever try to surround myself with positive people. Try to have a, a you know, our nice, positive outlook because those picks it up. So, if I go to the races that I'm negative, or I've had an argument with my family, or Something is boredom, it always picks it up but it doesn't perform. So I'm trying to have a good frame of mind so I can transmit it to the horse. But there comes a lot of things tone of voice, your body language, and the horse feels it. And uh, but where we, we we use words to interact with one another as humans, with the horse is different. Like I said, body language, you know. Uh, they, they, they smell it they can feel it that you know they, they can touch it you know
0: but they say with even with people you know roughly 80 90 percent of communication is non-verbal is about body language so there probably is more of a similarity obviously we're stuck up in our heads and think too much but we do pick up on on people's energy how much is um authenticity and vulnerability then important to that relationship with the horse
3: it's very important you look don't forget um no, like uh, every you know, we, you can not pigeonhole one horse the same. They're all different. Uh, I remember when I worked, when I started to work for Luca Kumani as a kid, he said to me, "You have to find the key for every horse, and every horse got a different key." So you know, you can bully the one that needs bullying. You you have to reassure the ones that lack confidence. Uh, there, you have to find you have to find the key for every one of them because. At the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not together, you're not going to win. Simple as. So you have to be one. Me and him or her, we have to be one. Because, you know, the horse doesn't read the paper. He says, oh, today the derby is one and a half mile. He, he hasn't got a clue. So he's, he's got he's to trust me. To say, let's slow down a little bit here, we're going too fast. And at the end, come on, let's go, let's pass these because the race is nearly finished. And you can only do that if you have the complete, utter trust of the horse. And that's the difference between winning or losing. Amazing. You have have to, you know, like I said, you have to have the almost um, trust of you uh, because... uh, because you know, otherwise you won't work. I know it's, it's, it sounds complicated, but it's not.
0: <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, uh, the Italian way of being, which is more emotional, which emotions are a bit closer to the surface. So if you're angry, you, you're angry. You don't sort of suppress it in the way like British people or other other nations do.
3: Does that help? Well, I I'm I'm the world's worst. I mean, I should I'm, I can never play poker because i'm up one minute and down the next I can, you know i i wear my motion on my sleeves i mean i cry watching tv i mean i mean like last year when i got beat on enable she was she in the art. that was the third race and then i had another four races after that i mean my lip was dragging on the floor i had to pick myself up so i'm the world's worst about that but uh i i, I think the Mediterranean people not just the Italians the Spanish or the Greeks so we we are more emotional we express our emotions a lot more than we do it in, in Britain and I, I can't change that sometimes I wish I couldn't do that but hey, it is what it is <laughs> unfortunately I'm like that
0: but it enables the emotions to move through a bit quicker you know
3: yeah it's, it's probably true you know uh, it's, it's, sometimes it's bad but sometimes it's more fun <laughs> yes you
0: mentioned Epsom, the Derby, the Wimbledon, the Super Bowl, the Open of Racing. Is is that fair? Is it on that level to you?
3: It is. You know, we in any sport, you got a pinnacle of event. You got the Monaco Grand Prix, you got Wimbledon, you got the Super Bowl. So every sport's got their ticket. You know, the blue ribbon. For us is the Investec Derby. When you start as a kid, for example of me, you know, do you want to win the Epsom Derby? It is, it is the race. Uh, we, we to say we, I don't. F- racing for 350 years are breeding thoroughbreds to win that race, end off. So it only comes once a year. The Investec Derby is an event and uh, and and that's what people are racing horses for to win that race not unfortunately it it goes down to maybe fourteen or twenty runners. but when you think about it it's, it's eight thousand horses ten thousand horses in this country uh, It only goes down to the last twenty so it's, it's, a, it's a there's a massive selection and uh and it's uh is
0: everything for us. I was actually lucky. I went to school literally just around the corner and and I remember I did. Yeah, and the buzz when the racing was on, when the derby was on, like you say reminds me of those other events like Wimbledon. And you've won it twice, but 14 times you raced and didn't win it and the pressure was building. Everyone was saying, well, "Frankie, when are you going to win? Frankie, when are you going to win?" How did you cope with the pressure of that? Because coping with pressure is something crucial to sport, but also in life.
3: Well, it was, look, it's, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And uh, and uh, so basically, you know, it was getting tiring to hear the same story. Oh, why you haven't won the Derby? You won everything else. And, you know, and unfortunately, it only comes once a year. You, know, you only get one shot. And, um, it got to a point. That when I got to the to the last the year, that I won. That I I had you know I was obviously it was obvious to everyone. Then I had uh, I there was my, my best chance, and uh, I had um, I, I did a press conference I think ten days before, and I said, listen, uh, let's let's uh, you know let's get it over and done with it and leave me alone because you know I don't want to ask questions for the next. 10 days, you know.
0: So when you did win, what was there, a case of surrender? What was it?
3: It was a relief, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really enjoy it. I know I won, and, but it was a relief, you know, it was like a big weight off my shoulder. It was much better the second time because I was 44 uh, and my kids were older and uh, to a point that I can tell you up to this day is probably the most emotional I ever felt after a race. Really? amazing yeah i mean to a point to a point that my body felt like jelly like i didn't have any energy and it was yeah really really uh, emotional and exciting yeah I, I think that was the biggest thrill i've had after a race so if you were then when golden Owen won in 2015
0: when I think of great sports people, there's something about the number three that's got a ring to it. You're banging in form. You said winning number two, your body felt like jelly. Your kids were there. They had the banner. Yeah. You know, if you were to win number three this time, what would that mean then?
3: I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to run in one of the favorite called English King. The same owner of Stradivarius, Bjorn Nielsen. I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I'm older and mature. I don't uh, shake my boots anymore. Um, I can tackle it like a man and look and looking forward to it. It would mean a lot because I won every classic three times or more, and the Derby only twice. So uh, it, it'd be good tick in the box for me. And uh, yeah, it'd be good if I can do it.
0: And obviously, you know, if you do do it, you know there will be a journalist saying, "Oh, Frankie, you've you've won this. You know, you've you've completed the set of of hat tricks. When are you going to retire? So, are you ready for those questions?"
3: <laughs> I told you twenty minutes ago. Then after the lockdown, I'm not ready to retire.
0: <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. It's those other people who will be saying it, Frankie. What will you say to them? I mean, you've put out a message now.
3: Uh, no way, no. No, 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 no. no.
0: Okay, let's talk about some of the the, the lessons then, Frankie. And I think actually that kind of hints to it. I heard someone ask you if you ever had a five-year plan and you laughed and said, I plan as far ahead as seven o'clock tonight. So you're very much someone who lives in the present. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, I'll be honest. You're basically, you you just imagine yourself, you are on the treadmill at... uh, 14k an hour speed, that's going pretty slick, for 30 years. And at the moment, I want to stay on it. And one day, I'll have to get off it, and I'll have to readjust myself to live a different life, you know, because... But at the moment, I love it. I like, I like living in the fast lane. I like to go fast. This has been part of my life. But it will come a point that I'll have to change. By the moment, I'm not ready for it. What, so the, the plan, there is no plan. You know, I'm, in my sport, I'm one fall away from planning. You don't know. So at the moment, I'm healthy, I'm in demand. I ride the best horses. I work for a guy, John Gosden, where he's my father figure. He's my mate. He, he uses me like Ferguson used to use uh, Ole Solskjaer. just puts me in the last 20 minutes. I just do the easy tapping goal and walk out of the pitch. That's all and perfect. So he says he saves me uh, mentally and physically, he it's got the best horses at the moment. Like I said, there is no plan. But it will, you know, I'm I'm not gonna ride forever, of course. And I, I know that. But I don't want to think about it at the moment. And everybody keeps on telling me what are you gonna do after I really don't know. <laughs> And that's that's the case. I really don't. I don't even want to think about it. Then, like I say, one day I'll have to get off the treadmill and change way of life. And you know, because nothing will will fulfill what I'm doing now. So, and you know, I, I know that I know that. But you know, we'll we'll tackle that problems when we finished. And if if there's anybody was listening to this got any advice, please let me know. <laughs>
0: And I, I think um, the lockdown, you mentioned a treadmill. It's felt like a tread, the stopping of the society treadmill for everyone. And I think yes. it, it's, it's had that feel to it, hasn't it? And as well, Frankie, you said um, you talked about one ride or one fall from planning. Before we talk about what happened, you know, 20 years ago, do you ever have that fear? Because obviously doing what you do and have done for so long, it's a dangerous sport. Do you ever
3: have to deal with fear in that way? Listen, it's like, if you're going to have a shower, you're going to get wet. If you ride horses, you are going to fall sooner or later. You cannot avoid it. It's part of the, our jobs. I mean, it's since my, my 35 years that I've been riding, I've saw, I was in a race where one guy died. Uh, I've got three of my friends being paralysed. I mean, it does happen, you know what I mean? But if you think like that, then you won't get out of the house. You know, uh, it's a dangerous sport, you know... Uh, we try we try to keep it as safe as we can but it is what it is uh, we just if you start thinking about it then you won't do it do you have to actively push those thoughts out of your mind well you've got to but you know I, I guess anyone who does a dangerous sport has to think like that otherwise you, you won't be doing it it is like I said if you're gonna have a, if, <laughs> if you're gonna have a shower you're gonna get wet so if you're right, says you ride horses at some stage you, you are gonna fall you try to avoid it and you don't know when it's gonna happen but it does happen uh, but, you know, that's, that's the only thing I know. I know to ride horses. I know to be competitive, to win races. This I've been doing it all my life. I don't know anything different.
0: So when you're racing then, obviously, because it is dangerous and... Are you always completely present when you're riding a horse? Or does your mind ever wander when you're racing?
3: I think, look, once, once them stores open, you forget about everything. You forget about... Uh, Everything you fear, uh, nervousness, uh, you up, you're upset. You just all you want to do is win. Uh, and I think not just me. I think any jockey out there or any sportsman, you know, uh, like the guys in motor racing. I guess once again, their car, they want to win. You know, they're not going to think about well, you know, I might have a crash. You can't think like that. I think is is bred in 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 us to be like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite madness when you tell somebody that works nine to five and sits in the office what well, we actually do. They think you know you must be crazy. You know, go out there risking your life every day. Well, that's, that's what we do, we can <laughs> and we love it.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, you know you're you're completely in the moment. Yeah, you have these transcendent, almost mystical experiences. The
3: connection with the crowd. I mean, it it is pure presence. Yeah, I mean I I mean like I mean I've had the pretty lucky in my career I well, have broken 10 bones you know if you ask mccoy he probably broke 30 and when i tell people oh, i've already, I broke 10 bones i said oh you really as you must be crazy no it's it's actually quite good i thought <laughs> 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 oh dear it's mad
0: let's talk frankly quickly about that moment then that that did change your outlook to some degree um, when you were involved in a horrific experience, and obviously I don't want to you know, re-traumatise you or anything like that, but you were involved in a plane crash 20 years ago, um, and, and it did change your outlook. But something I heard you say as well, that when, when you felt the plane was coming down and, and, you, and you were sure that you were going to die, there wasn't a sense of fear, more a sense of sadness.
3: Yeah. You know, I was just disappointed I was going to die because... I wasn't even scared of dying, but I thought, not really, are you gonna take me away like this? You know, I just got a child, I'm only 29. I would just, you know, but I was, when I was standing at the ground going down, I thought, we're gonna die. And then, uh, yeah, it was just the feeling of disappointment, sadness, you know, you know, I'm not scared, not scared of it, not scared, of course I was scared, but not really, The the thought of, you know, i had so much more to give you know when i did come round after the crash and i was on the plane i didn't know if i was on the other side if i was in another world or in brackets heaven or you know really i was i had this sense of you know really, do you know what what to think and then uh yeah ray cochran my mate he dragged me out the plane and the plane exploded so I was lucky twice. Not once, twice. I should have been dead. 20 years ago, I should have been dead. And here we go. Now I'm talking to you about it. And uh, I'm ashamed that my pirate, Patrick McKay, died. So, it you know, it took me two years to get out of it. I was a bit of a trauma for two years, to be honest with you. I wasn't myself. Uh, I, I couldn't see that, but my family was telling me. But then eventually, time seals everything, and I got out of it. But it was it was not... A very pleasant experience let me tell you
0: god no two things frankie so looking back at how you felt when you thought you you know it was all going to be over are you surprised that that your primary feeling was one of sadness and disappointment rather than than fear because i imagine most people expect in that situation their overriding f- feeling would be one of of terror
3: i was surprised yeah i was surprised i guess because i already gave up the thought that I was going to survive. I knew ex- I was going to die. And I, I thought, well, there's no point screaming and, you know, yelling. That's it. It's finished. That's all. That's all. That's all the only thing went in my mind. And it did surprise me, you know, perhaps, you know, I should have I been screaming and shouting, but I didn't. It?
0: And was Ray equally calm, if you like? Or, I mean, how was he? Did he have a similar feeling? I don't know if you've spoke to him about that.
3: Well, he was next to me and... Uh, <laughs> And he looked at me. and He said, "You better, you better buckle up." And I, like I'm I looking at him, thinking, "What do you mean, buckle up? We're gonna die. We <laughs> buckle up what? You know, do you think if you if you pull your seatbelt a bit tight, it's gonna survive?" And uh, that's what I wanted to ta- tell him, but I couldn't. I couldn't speak. But that's you know, it was a surreal moment. You know, you can't explain, put into words what we went through. It's just
0: no. It's
3: just crazy. Really,
0: Ray did save your life, and and like you said the plane exploded and then you had two years of dealing with the trauma and then you came out the other side so how how did it affect your outlook on life and what did you learn about life and living life from that
3: uh it may be a bit more lazy i think if i didn't have that crash i could achieve a lot more in my career uh, now i can of enjoy life a bit more i don't care what people say too much And, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, if it it, it has changed me a bit, it's probably changed me, like I said, a a bit more laid back. I uh, tried to be myself. Yeah, I was a bit bit more focused and different before. And uh, I didn't take too much time of life in general. I was a bit tunnel visioned.
0: Did it make you more appreciative of life? And you're obviously someone who lives so much in the present. Was that magnified by what happened?
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, a uh, big lesson in life. You know, every day is great. I should have been dead 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we should not have this conversation. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, crazy. I've got five kids now. <laughs> I'm still riding. pretty mad, really, when you look back. <laughs>
0: Do you have to remind yourself of it sometimes or is that sense of gratitude for, for what happened and for life generally, is it always there?
3: I'll be honest with you, until I, like example, I'm talking to you, I never actually enters my mind these kind of things. Only when people try to analyze like we do it now, then yeah, I do, you know, they have changed and uh, things have changed. But, you know, usually I just, like you said, I live a day at a time. I'm looking at the things that are coming up you just have to live the moment.
0: Indeed. But, but I know, didn't your mum recently text you though uh, that you were, I think, frustrated with lockdown and everything like that and didn't she say, son, you may not be able to race but remember you're alive referring to that what happened.
3: Yeah, you know, mum, uh, so mum had to be careful because she had uh, pneumonia 10 years ago so if she gets the COVID she might not see a through. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she uh, kind of she has to be really careful, so it's it's always kind of frightening having that thing in your mind that you know if you if you if you catch the COVID, you're not going to make it through. So it must be very hard for her to live like that. Yeah. And so we kind of both try to reassure each other. <laughs> Obviously, I, was, I should have been dead twenty years ago, but I'm not. And and no, know, I'm talking I'm talking on behalf of my mother, but it must be a lot of elderly people out there that they have they have to live with that. Fear.
0: Okay, Frankie. So, listen, if you had to share some advice, some life wisdom from what you've learned along your journey, what sort of things would you say?
3: I think have a positive outlook in life. Try to not stress yourself too much. And I'm lucky, I I enjoy what I do. I enjoy racing and I enjoy the horses. But, you know, try to have a positive outlook before you leave the house. I think that's very important.
0: Car pay DM, live for the day leads to la dolce vita is that fair?
3: la dolce vita yeah (laughs) correct always la dolce vita
0: all right well listen Frankie it's been a pleasure talking to you you're a superstar of the sport thank you a cracking head of hair like I said and sounds like to me you're (laughs) nailed on for number three at the derby
3: come on great I'm looking forward to it I hope uh, after this hour chat that we had I didn't confuse many people
0: it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you very much indeed
3: perfect thank you
0: thanks very much for listening to this episode of don't Turn with the score i really hope you enjoyed our conversation and i would of course be delighted to hear your thoughts ideas and questions do get in touch via my website simonmundy.com. i do really appreciate you listening and if you could leave a kind rating and review i would be sincerely grateful all that remains is for me to say i hope you'll join me again next time until then thank you and goodbye